0: Welcome, my name is Michael Ascetta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. While I was at university studying to be a professional dog trainer, I remember sitting in my professor's office and looking through the hundreds of dog training books that he had. I picked out one of the books, and it was about dogs from World War II. I was like, ooh, this might be fun to read. So I asked him if I could borrow it, and he said no. (laughs) He said if I wanted to read it, it had to stay in his office. He was very uh, protective of these books because of how valuable they were, and he knew that college students would most likely lose them. So I said totally fine, no worries, I completely understand, and I started to read the book in front of him. The first page had a photo on it, a beautiful description. But I wasn't focused on the words as I was focused on the photos, trying to understand what was going on. A few men were in a trench, shooting at the enemy. And these dogs were running directly at the men that were hiding behind the wall of the trenches. Now, as I looked closer, I noticed that the men were shooting. They were actively shooting. They were not waiting for the dogs to get to safety. They were shooting straight past the dogs at the enemy. I thought that must be insanely dangerous. And my second thought was, how do you train that? How do you train a dog to run directly to gunfire and not be scared? So I asked my professor, who has over 40 years of professional dog training experience with police and military dogs. He literally wrote the book on controlling aggression. And I said, how did they do this? How would you even begin to teach this? Would you just... Have a dog off to the side and use blanks? And he said, yes, you'd have to stop the dog from being afraid of the sound, but that's not what they did. He said, Michael, they've never been hit by a bullet. They don't know what it feels like. They don't know the severity of the situation they're in. This is all a game to them. Those dogs are just running back to where they were told to run to. And when they got there, they got some praise. They got some food. They got whatever. He said, it's all a game to them that's what training should be like for you and your dog constantly. Yes, we as human beings put a lot of serious situations in our mind of what could happen to our dog. They run out into the street, another dog runs up to them, somebody attacks them, they get lost, right? Any number of those things could hurt your dog or unfortunately kill your dog. So in this story, With these dogs, none of those dogs got hurt, as far as I know, in that photo. They might have, you know, gotten injured throughout the wartime. But in that photo, those dogs were fine, and they were running straight past zipping bullets because they had never known what it was like to get injured like that. Of course, if a dog was injured, sure, they might be hesitant the next time. But if you're worried about your dog getting hit by a car, and you should be, then you need to teach your dog how to be bulletproof like that unafraid of what's going on, unafraid of the situations they're in, teaching them that it's okay to be in a situation that might be stressful for the owner, but the dog doesn't care. They still have to listen. The dog still has to recall to you. They still have to run over to you. They still have to wait in position, right? If they've never been near an elephant and they're sitting and relaxing, that elephant's never stepped on them, so they shouldn't be afraid of the elephant. They should just sit still and wait for you to tell them to do something. That's what I mean by bulletproof dogs. I don't mean we're actually going to put titanium plates surrounding our dogs. But bulletproof as in when you're training your dog, the only thing they know to do is to listen, to respond in an excited and happy way. They're excited to race towards you regardless of what's going on when you're talking about recall. They're excited to do any behavior because they don't know that there's going to be a problem if they don't. And recently, there's been a lot of discussion about e collars being banned in New York. I talked about it the other day, and some people are saying, "Well, what happens if this happens? What happens if this happens?" People are saying e collars are used for rattlesnake training. If you have, an, or you live in an area where a dog could potentially get bitten by a rattlesnake, I want you to think about that example of the dogs running towards bullets. They've never bitten. They've never been bitten by a rattlesnake. They've never been attacked by a rattlesnake. They don't know what it feels like to be bitten by a rattlesnake. Yet some trainers and individuals think it's imperative for them to learn what that feels like, learn how dangerous that is. They don't need to learn how dangerous it is. They just need to know, oh, there's a rattlesnake. I should probably go the other way because I'm going to get something good if I go the other way. They don't need to know what it's like to get hit by a car or bitten by a snake or shot by a bullet to know to leave it alone. When I was working and interning with a guide dog, company. I won't mention which one, but we were training guide dogs and I was talking to one of the trainers and he wanted to train the dogs differently in one particular area. And it happened to do with cars. It was intelligent disobedience, which means if I tell the dog to go and it's not safe, then the dog shouldn't go. They're obedient when you tell them to go forward, but they can know when to not go forward in case of a dangerous situation. They don't want to put the handler or the dog in a dangerous situation. And there's a way to teach it that that's not what they were doing because some of the older trainers still liked the way they had done it for the past number of years. And the way they used to do it was a car would rev up and screech its tires in front of the dog and the dog would get scared and back up. So the dog learned when a car is coming at you like that, stay where you are, don't move forward. But instead, and the trainer had tested it several times because of the situation that allowed for it, he said, I'm going to test this out. I'm going to see if it works. All he taught was that there was a contingency on the word forward. Forward meant go forward, pull me forward. If he said forward and there was a car there, the dog wouldn't get a treat. And he actually got rewarded for ignoring the word forward. It's very, very simple to him. But the other trainers did not go through the same education that this trainer had gone through. And so their skill set was not as high. They were not capable of teaching this at that level at that time, and therefore relied on scaring the dog with the car. He said it's dangerous, it's unsafe. And I believe they did eventually shift their training to that method, that newer method that he had not developed, but implemented on his own, and then showed them how effective it really was. So three things I want to talk about today on how to make your dog bulletproof. Okay, we've kind of already hinted at it, but if you want to make everything you do with your dog fun, every little tiny thing needs to be a game, needs to be exciting, needs to be interesting. It does not need to be so serious. The more serious you make it, the more pressure you put on your dog to perform well, and most likely you're going to revert back to old habits of yelling at your dog, telling them that they're stupid or that you're frustrated. Instead, teach them a game. Teach them that it's fun. Your dog gets off leash. Let's say you break, the leash breaks, the collar snaps, you let go of the leash for whatever reason. If you start panicking, your dog is going to panic as well and be like, why are you panicking? You've never done this before. What the hell's going on? If you make it a game, hey, come over here. And you don't have to be all that, you know, whatever. But if you just make it a game, they'll come over to you and not think anything of it. Oh, mom's just calling me over. Okay, I'll just come over. There's no stress to it. The less stress you put on it, the better. The more stress you put on it, the worse. It's very, very black and white. If you can teach your dog that everything is a game, everything's exciting, they should be looking forward to hearing their name with recall. They should be looking forward to listening. Then it's going to make it 10 times easier. Number two, keep them successful. Now, this used to be termed as errorless learning. It means your dog never makes a mistake. And I think that's a great way to put it. But I also like to put it as keep your dog successful because it puts more pressure on you, I think. Right? Errorless learning means your dog never makes a mistake. Keeping your dog successful means I'm going to set up the situation to where my dog succeeds every single time. Confidence is only built through successful repetition. Confidence is only built through successful repetition. Do you know how many times they had to practice shooting past those dogs for those dogs to keep running forward? How many times you have to practice doing anything with your dog for them to really fully understand everything you're talking about? Everything you ask them to do to the level that you need them to do it at? Keeping your dog successful is the only way to build that confidence. If one every five chances, they make a mistake and you correct them, let's say, or you yell at them or they don't get a treat, they're going to be like, whoa, I don't don't like this too much. I'm not succeeding. I'm not winning. This isn't a fun game. Even games do this. If you've ever played a video game, it's going to start off easy. They're going to teach you how to play the game, right? That's the precision step of training if you know the six perfect steps of training your dog, the precision step. Right. That's the tutorial in a video game. They're going to teach you how to play the game. Then they're going to ask you to do it with a little more enthusiasm. They're going to put you in more stressful situations. You might have to, you know, let's say uh, you're playing a video game like Tetris. Right. They're going to teach you how Tetris works. Then there's a certain speed that the game is going to go at, at a cadence to see how long you can do it for, how well you can do it. They're going to throw in different variables, like different shapes. If you've never played Tetris before, it's a wonderful game. It's one of my favorites. I have it downloaded on my phone. It's one of the only games downloaded on my phone. So if you've never played Tetris, go download Tetris, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you were successful, if it went at the perfect pace for you, the game would be insanely enjoyable. Now, at some points, there's going to need to be challenges. That's the only way to keep the mind mentally stimulated. And so they throw in faster speeds, different pieces. They might throw a piece in at a different angle, and now you have to rotate it, right? All of those things create more excitement, more dopamine released in your brain, but more of a challenge, and it keeps you engaged. But if you were successful there, you would keep going, right? Now, the longer you're successful, the more you're enjoying it, the more you're going to repeat it. If, really early on, you failed, and 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 you failed, failed, eventually you're going to say, I'm just no good at this game, or this game is way too difficult. That was one of the things about the game Flappy Bird. If you've ever played Flappy Bird, I know it was only around for a couple of months, but Flappy Bird was very similar. It was very difficult, but if you were interested enough, you could get good at it. Just the learning curve was really big, so people didn't really care to get into it, but those who did became addicted to it. So with your dog, if you can get them addicted to playing the game with you, because they love doing it, because they win so much, that's going to make it 10 times easier for you in any scenario you're in, because they want to do it so bad, when they finally hear you say their name, they're going to rip towards them, rip towards you. Now, number three is to train for real life situations, real life situations. Yes, training should all be fun and games. Yes, you should keep your dog successful, but you have to train for real life, and many people don't do this. If you go to an obedience class, you're probably not training for real life. If you do agility, you're probably not training for real life. Although there is some crossover, training for real life has to do with working your dog in the exact situation that you would be put in, of course, with safety parameters in place. The amount of times I've seen people do a recall, Sparky, come. Super excited, super happy, and then Sparky gets off leash at the park, and they go, "Sparky, get over here! Spark, get over here!" That's not training for real life. Training for real life would say when you're practicing recall, you would yell like you just did, "Sparky, get over here!" Right? That kind of realism is what your dog needs, just like with those dogs in the trenches. That was a real life scenario, a real situation that they could have gotten injured. But they practiced that so much that the dogs thought it was just another training day. It's just another game. And that's the goal. You're trying to create life and training as a game. That's all your dog thinks about. How can I get more of what I want? How can I avoid something that's unpleasant? And how can I keep the game going for longer? All your dog wants to do is play. If your dog is bumping into you constantly, jumping up on you, passing you the toy, they just want to play. So make real life a big old game. It is all fun and games for your dog. That's the goal. But you have to implement real life scenarios. Okay, what happens if you trip over your dog? Should it be a a game? Right? You could trip over your dog and you could teach them to lay down, almost like a, a freeze tag thing right? Or musical chairs, not musical chairs, freeze dance, freeze dance. The music stops and everybody drops, right? Or the music stops and everybody stops moving. So if you trip over your dog and you fall down, maybe you teach your dog to lay down on their side. This then teaches them that when you trip over them, they should just think, oh, it's part of the game. I'll just lay over, right? Super simple. They get out of the car and you don't have the leash on them; they jump away. Maybe you make it a game to get back in the car, right? Crate training should be a big old game. They should love going into the crate. It should not be a punishment thing. And so, if you're using a crate in the car, and they get out of the car and they're running around crazy, and you say crate, they go, "Oh my god, I love this game!" So they run into the crate, and now you can give them a treat, close the crate, make it safe. It's all a game. It doesn't have to be so serious. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, creating angst in you and your dog. It should be, however, fun, enjoyable. If you're interested in learning how to train your dog fully to make your life easier and your dog's life easier in daily life, click the link in the description, matadorcanine.com slash daily life skills, matadorcanine.com slash daily life skills. It's an online training course to guide you through step-by-step exercise by exercise, demonstrating the techniques you need to have in order to have a well-behaved dog. You're also going to get a workbook, 24-7 training support, and guidance through me if you need it. matadorcanine.com slash daily life skills. matadorcanine.com slash daily life skills. I want to know what you are struggling with with your dog. What are you having a difficulty doing, training, teaching, fixing, what are your goals with your dogs? What are you trying to accomplish with your dogs? Do you just want a well-behaved dog? Do you just want a well-trained dog? Do you want a dog that gets medals in competition? Do you want a dog that passes the canine good citizen test? I want to know. So please let me know. Either email me at matadorcanine.com or write it in the comments of the podcast platform that you're listening to or message me on social media. I want to know what you're struggling with and what you need help with. Thank you guys for listening and I'll see you next time.